I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I am your host, Matt Bellasai. I'm here in my closet recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. How's your quarantine going this week? Are you still in quarantine? Yeah, bitch. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I did do my my one risky thing this week, which is I got my hair cut. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay, let me explain. It is legal to get your hair cut this week in New York. <laughs> <laughs> they let us do it. So how was the haircut? What was the experience like? Um, not great. I'll, no. I'll just say that. I just assumed from seeing the people that I saw in New York getting haircuts that this place would have been like on a, a super strict, like everybody is wearing hazmat suits. Right. No. Okay. These people, I should have done more research. So let me be a warning because basically, I mean, everybody had to wear masks. Uh, I had to keep my mask on the whole time. And like when they did around the ears, like, you know, they have, I had to like hold it up to my face and everything was like disinfected but like immediately the barber started coughing like immediately (laughs) when i sat down and i was like god damn it (laughs) i feel like he was wearing a mask and i'm pretty sure he had an n95 mask too which is supposed to be like you know the top grade medical one that he shouldn't have been wearing (laughs) but i was like jesus this is like the one thing that you're not supposed to be doing right now and you're you just immediately start this shit (laughs) So anyway, uh, now I'm going to be like on on high alert for two weeks. Yeah. But my my, my hair looks great. Good. <laughs> anyway, how's your week? Well, uh, the pie crust that I put into the fridge before recording last week uh-huh. came out beautifully. Uh, I made my first ever real pie and it was so good. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Thank you so much. So we had um, pie every single day because it was just the two of us uh, and it was worth every single bite. Yeah, that's how I feel about all the stuff I've been baking is it's like, oh, I guess I'm just going to diet on this for the entire week. I guess this is just the entirety (laughs) of my my food source. It's just this one thing. Banana bread all week. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, baby. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Uh, Coming up today, we're going to kick things off with Worst Things First, where I shout about the most ridiculous, silliest, stupidest, worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into depression. Because if my brain can't just chill the fuck out, then I can't either. Then we'll get into an interview with a ray of absolute sunshine. We got comedian, actor, and podcast host Dulce Sloan on the pod. You've seen her as a correspondent for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, and you'll hear her as our guest complainer soon. And finally, we got our chasers, including our new segment, Do Better White People. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's fully spiral and start the show. All right, horse things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First, coronavirus has claimed yet another victim. Oh, no. The free-for-all free samples at Costco. No! (laughs) Now what am I going to (laughs) eat? This is all I've been looking forward to. This entire quarantine is going back and just absolutely feasting my face on Costco free samples. I went to Costco for the very first time with my friend last year, and it was probably one of the best days of my year. Costco truly is like the American experience. Just wholesale, buy a tub of mayonnaise, uh, more mayonnaise. A tub of mayonnaise. And why don't you also go ahead and buy a diamond ring? Because they sell those there, too. <laughs> yeah. It is just baffling the like breadth of stuff that they sell. Incredible. But yeah, rest assured, 
they have not suspended free samples entirely. Well, okay. they did. Okay. They okay. They did do this back in March. They suspended free samples in March. And now they're starting to bring them back, but they're just not going to be like uh, the free-for-all like smorgasbord. Smorgasbord? Mm-hmm, a smorgasbord. Smorgasbord that they were before. All of the free samples will now be pre-packaged items that they'll keep behind plexiglass shields. Great! So now I have to work for my free samples? This is bullshit. The plexiglass industry right now is thriving, okay? Oh, yeah. Invest in that glass. (laughs) There is plexiglass literally everywhere. I just went and grabbed Starbucks before this, and it's like everything looks like a a Star Wars spaceship because it's just (laughs) covered in plexiglass. I love it. As it should be. Relatedly, they also announced that they would no longer be selling their half sheet cakes. Oh, God. And would only be focusing on smaller 10-inch white and chocolate cakes. Why are you trying to portion control the cakes when you also have, like, bulk everything else? (laughs) Yeah. It was weird. I don't know if I just, like, misread this article or what, Um, but I'm going to repeat my misunderstanding of it, which is that... Perfect. Responding... They responded to some Facebook comments, like, begging them to bring back the sheet cakes, and I guess they said that the decision was the result of reducing service in some departments to help limit personal contact and create more space for social distancing. I don't really know how, like how many extra people it takes to make a full sheet cake <laughs> versus, versus a 10, 10, inch 10 inches of a white and chocolate cake. I mean, I, I guess, I guess if anything, I feel like the reason should be why the fuck do you need a whole sheet cake right now? Well, okay. I don't want to shame anybody who's, who's getting a full sheet cake for themselves. That is allowed, and I support that kind of spiraling. If you want to sit on the toilet and eat an entire Costco sheet cake, then I believe in you and your right to do that. That being said, if you're buying a sheet cake because you're throwing a party right now, you can get fucked, okay? Because that is not allowed. That's what Costco should be saying. We're not making sheet cakes because you shouldn't be throwing parties right now, dumbass. Next! In an absolutely crushing blow to all things good and holy in this world, Chuck E. Cheese filed for bankruptcy after 43 years of business. Well, I feel like um, we're maybe a little bit responsible <laughs> by trying to get a Chuck E. Cheese statue made. Yeah. It's like somehow the commemoration of that actually caused the bankruptcy. At this point, we could just take and bronze any of the animatronic Chuck E. Cheeses from any, all of them together. Any of their locations. Have a whole little army. Yeah, erect a statue of Chuck E. Cheese in the abandoned parking lot of every closed Chuck E. Cheese. There should be a monument to his memory. Amen. I I don't want this to be a blockbuster situation where it's just scrubbed from our national memory. <laughs> And now there are children who are growing up who don't even know what a blockbuster is. And don't even get me started about Hollywood video. Okay. Blockbuster's oh, name yeah. at least continues. Hollywood? No one remembers. That was definitely the like edgier, more adult version I felt. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it was just another franchise. <laughs> I don't know. In my in my in my memory, Blockbuster was sort of like the the like, I don't know, your all purpose, like mcdonald's kind of one and then hollywood video was more like the wendy's do you know just wow. like a little hollywood was just closer to my house it was like a little alternative you know what that probably explains why i'm so alternative <laughs> it does it really does you have hollywood video written all over you <laughs> anyway Chuck E. cheese has filed for bankruptcy but i mean bankruptcy doesn't mean they're going away it's just bankruptcy I don't understand how money or businesses work. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't understand it either. I guess it just means, I don't know. I I literally do not understand what bankruptcy is. All I know is it means you lost Monopoly. (laughs) And so that's why I always assume like, oh, you declare bankruptcy like you're gone. But actually, it's just like you sell your debt or some shit and then start over. (laughs) I don't know, man. The day that I found out that Netflix is $12 billion in debt is is the day that my brain broke. 
Yeah, I don't understand literally anything. Also, money is fake. It's not real. And we all live in a fantasy world that can come crushing down at any moment. So it already has. (laughs) Chuck E. Cheese has filed for bankruptcy. They were struggling a lot before coronavirus, but now this has kind of pushed them over the edge. They have been opening them since states began to ease coronavirus restrictions. Okay, getting a haircut was like the most terrifying thing I've done in four months. I cannot imagine going to a Chuck E. Cheese, which was already like a hotbed of disease and and disaster beforehand. It was like going... I remember the last time I went to a place like this. It might not have been a Chuck E. Cheese. um, But it was like one... like. Part of what's built into the obstacles of like going through tubes and a ball pit is like piles of vomit. Like you that (laughs) that is part of the experience is that you're going to have to crawl around some other kids sick. Yeah, those tubes and like just those type like not even just Chuck and Cheese, but those like McDonald's play pens, like all of those types of experiences have some of the strongest sense memories I, I have. Like hands down, like I can, I can pull up that smell in my brain right now. And uh, oh, you know what? You know what? Maybe a way Chuck E. Cheese could raise some money, making candles. Oh, <laughs> well, a candle of that gorgeous smell. White, dirty sock that's kind of wet because you stepped in some other kid's mucus. Right, but then also like an intense underlying plastic smell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so R.I.P. Charles Entertainment Cheese. I hope he has a long afterlife. And finally, as Major League Baseball plots its return to bring that those those sweet, sweet man butts in tight baseball pants back to our televisions, mm. mascots have been on a roller coaster of suspense waiting to see if they're going to be allowed back in ballparks. I don't understand how baseball works to begin with. (laughs) Um, So I don't know how they're doing all this in light of um, a pandemic. Same, same. Yeah. So basically in mid-May, the MLB released this 67-page draft of like an operations manual for how things are going to work. They're doing like a shortened season. And in this draft, they said mascots were not allowed. They're banned. What? Which doesn't even make... They're literally like the most protected. They're basically... I mean... If anything, they should make all of the players wear mascot uniforms. Everybody should be in a mascot uniform. (laughs) I would watch so much sport. I want 30. I don't know how many baseball players are on the field at once. (laughs) Seven, 70. (laughs) From 11 to 70, I think is right. I want, I want 30 Philly fanatics versus 30 Mr. Mets. (laughs) Just giant Chernobyl, like radioactive birds whatever the philly fanatic is and um mr met is is a baseball that fell into um a a vat of radioactive sludge (laughs) he just you mean he went for a dip in the east river (laughs) yes and he emerged fully fully sentient i have to imagine that the inside of those mascot suits are just an absolute petri dish Mm -hmm. but just of every conceivable bacterium and um, and disease. But in terms of being like a threat to everybody outside of the suit, no, everybody should be in those suits. Everybody allowed in that stadium should be in those suits. Anyway, in the final report that they published last week uh, announcing like how baseball is going to work, mascots are allowed, but they're just not allowed on the actual field. Okay. Which again doesn't make any sense. Where will they be? Maybe I'm just misinterpreting all of this, but it's like they're allowed in the stands. They just can't do any of the like games and stuff that they do on the fields. Absolutely tragic. Yeah. I just want to see uh, the Philly fanatic just chase like a chubby eight-year-old around the bases in between innings and then give him uh, give him a stupid prize. And you know what? It's actually against our constitutional right to not see that. Yeah. That is part of the baseball experience. For someone like me, an absolute flaming homosexual, what do I go to baseball for? The sport? 
absolutely not. I go to look at butts and to see um, an absolute insane mascot chase a little kid around. Absolutely. That is the entertainment that I'm there for. And you're depriving me during Pride Month, which is homophobic. The original portrayer of, of the Philly fanatic, because I don't know if you know this, there is a human being inside of, of, of the Philly what? fanatic operating it, pulling its strings. You mean that fanatic is not just born out of a woman's vagine? <laughs> I would absolutely love to see that birth. I want <laughs> a full recreation of the Miracle of Birth documentary, but with the Philly fanatic emerging <laughs> from a human woman's vagina. Anyway, the original human portrayer of the Philly fanatic said, I applaud MLB for this change. They'd said we were non-essential, but that's not true. <laughs> you know who I'm clapping for at 7 p.m.? That guy. Yeah, the essential worker. That was one of my favorite images to come from the like first um, first like month of the pandemic was um, this guy who clearly worked for like a Chuck E. Cheese type thing. Um, who he was taking a like snap. It was like a Snapchat selfie in the bathroom with his mascot head off. And the caption was just, I can't believe I'm essential. (laughs) 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 Yeah. But you know what? I'm glad that this man has the confidence that he has to bring this, this level of energy and joy to people. (sighs) Good for him, I guess. That's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're diving deep into the dark depths of my depression. Sounds fun, right? (laughs) Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. dive. All right. So we've been in a pandemic for like three and a half months now and um, a revolution against the police state for like a month. And yeah, the world is continuing to be just an absolute fireworks display of stupidity and misery. Great. And so let's just say depression has been having a fucking moment. Depression is here, she's queer, and she is making us sleepy as heck. That's what happens in my brain. (laughs) She has been the star of the show for the past few months and um, years. (laughs) Um, Since depression was famously discovered in like 2004, I want to say. Yeah. And shockingly, for a show called Unhappy Hour, we we have never done a deep dive on depression. And why depression is the worst. I actually remember when I was first pitching the idea of Unhappy Hour, I talked to some podcast company and the guy was like, I love this idea. Depression is like so in right now. (laughs) I was like, okay, that's fully insane for you to say that out loud. First of all, (laughs) not at all what this show will be about. And it was not a part of the pitch literally at all. (laughs) (laughs) But here we are. (laughs) But here we are. Yeah. And that person, that man was Barry Finkel. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I had talked about it on the show before, uh, but I definitely have the big D. That's what I prefer to call it. Some people say, they say they suffer from depression. No. Okay. Me, me, I say I have the big D. I walk around all day with the big D. I get absolutely pummeled (laughs) by the big D. (laughs) Every day I can barely walk in the morning because of the big D. And that's why I just, I pop a pill and I go to therapy. But some days my brain is like, fuck it. It's a big D day. So anyway, this deep dive is mostly me screaming at my brain for being fucked up. So join me. First, it's like, okay, we're just going to be sad for absolutely no reason today. <laughs> That's the thing that a lot of people like still don't understand. It, it is weird because I do feel like we've made a lot of headway in terms of people being like, I don't know. At this point, it's more weird for people to like not be depressed. <laughs> I'm like, okay, your brain works normally. <laughs> it must be great for you, I guess. 
but yeah, even my mom, who I'm just going to read Deborah for a moment, because like she should understand this, but she's like, well, what what is causing it? And I'm like, nothing, Deborah. It's chemicals. <laughs> There's no good reason for this. It's not like something happened and then I'm depressed. No, it's just whatever cocktail of brain juice is floating around my skull just decides that some days are fine and some days are going to feel like a Sarah McLaughlin dog commercial for no goddamn reason. Just on repeat. <laughs> just images of sad dogs with one eye that is all like pussy. Just on a loop. That's just how it is. There's not always a, there's not always a trigger. Sometimes it's just guess what? Today we're going to be fucking sad for no reason. Also, how dare being around other people and going outside make it better? <laughs> During a pandemic? I don't think so, brain. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm just supposed to go outside and interact with other people when uh, that is the very thing that could make me die. It's a real catch-22 situation. Right now it is. But that is literally why, like, as a, a world right now, everybody is, like, severely depressed. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I love all of the articles about, like, studies coming out right now that's, like, uh, depression on the rise during <laughs> coronavirus. It's like, no shit! <laughs> like, our brains literally need human interaction and outdoors in order to not feel like we're going absolutely insane. And those are the two things that are, like, not allowed right now. Even in normal times when like going outside and being around other people is allowed and it does make you feel better. It's still my brain is like the idea of doing those things is just like too much. <laughs> it's like make up your mind, bitch. Which is it? My brain is like, well, it is easier to just lay in bed all day, even though socializing and getting fresh air would make you feel exponentially more like a human. But also pillows because you know what else happens is like then you're like oh well if i go outside and interact with people then i'm just gonna at the end of the day think about all the things that i said wrong and i'm just gonna end up back in the same place so i might as well just like not leave oh my god <laughs> that's like more anxiety than depression but when they work together it's like wow you're fucked Oh, yeah. I will say uh, this entire thing. I don't really know the distinction between depression and anxiety. I just assume that they're all part of the same soup. For me, the anxiety is the spiral and depression is the pit at the bottom that you lay in. <laughs> wow, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has been funny to go. And when I say funny, I mean hilarious to go to like when I start socializing more with people like I've gone to the park to meet a, a few friends and have like our socially distant socializing and I was like oh yeah I forgot what it was like to interact with people and then um leave that interaction and obsessively think about all the weird stuff I said absolutely <laughs> yeah I was just like oh I almost forgot about this it's only made it absolutely worse next my brain is like, oh, it's cloudy today. Guess what, bitch? Time to stay in bed literally all day. Because of a cloud, a bunch of wrinkly old water droplets in the air covering up the Teletubby face, bitch, son. It is absolutely upsetting how much your mood depends on the weather. It's like, I should have control over this. Yeah, but like I lived in an apartment underground with no sun for years and then I moved to an apartment and after one month was the happiest I've ever been in New York. And that was during a pandemic. <laughs> and it's because there's sunlight. It is insane how much better I feel on days when it's sunny outside than on days that it's not. It doesn't make any even when I'm indoors. Yeah. It's like what? Uh, yeah. Because I mean, I know like. When you actually go outside and get direct sunlight, you get like vitamin D and it does make you actually feel better, like physically, but also just like mentally, what difference should it make if I'm indoors when it's cloudy? And yet I'm literally like this entire week is I looked at the weather forecast and there's just like lightning bolts every day. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get anything done this week. I already know it. <laughs> I'm just pre-planning for it. But it's true. Honestly, we should be thanking clouds for shielding us from the sun. 
Because, uh, yeah, Teletubbies taught me anything. It's that the sun is a demon. (laughs) It's a demon monster (laughs) that has a baby living inside of it. And we should be scared of it. And it is absolutely controlling us. Exactly. Next! Why the fuck are you going to make me sleepy when the thing that's making me sad is the fact that I'm sleepy? You dumb fuck. That's always the thing that, like, sends me into a spiral. Because, like, uh, yeah... I'll wake up tired and then I'm like, oh, great. Now I'm tired. I guess I'll be depressed all day. But that's the thing that's making me depressed. Make up your mind, you dumbass. What? It's like, um, isn't the entire function of my brain that it's supposed to be making me good at doing stuff? I guess not. I guess not. It's I. You know who your friends are and she's not one of them. Um, also completely unacceptable that a depression nap fixes absolutely nothing. It's like, oh, I'm going to wake up, uh, after three hours of being unconscious and all of my problems are still there. Uh, way to go. Way to go. And, and absolutely helping nothing. Also love that my brain is like, Hey, I see that you're having a good day. What if you're actually ugly and a monster? <laughs> And it's like, okay, bitch, let's just come into my house and ruin everything, I guess. I came out to have a good time, and I'm honestly feeling so attacked right now by the call is coming from inside the house. Oh, man, that that one, that one hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Next. Also, fuck that my brain is like, oh, you know, this one task that you can probably get done in like five minutes. Well, what if you put that off um, for literally ever? Because (laughs) the idea of undertaking anything is too overwhelming. (laughs) How about that? Uh, I love making to do lists and then putting like something really, really simple on it to make me feel better about crossing it off and then just going on Instagram for two hours. (laughs) Yeah. Oh God, I didn't even put anything about Instagram. I should just I just I should just put the things that I procrastinate with on the to-do list. Therefore, right. I have to check it off. One thing that therapy has has been good for, I guess, is that we talk a lot about um what what Mindy calls anticipatory anxiety. Ooh, love that category. Which is like, yeah, I'm definitely one of those people where like the <laughs> I very quickly blow everything up. I definitely like when I think about a thing, like we talked a lot about this before I really started going to the gym. And the idea was like, I just was like, I'm going to go to the gym once and then like, I'm going to have to keep going. (laughs) And then it's like, what? This is just like a habit. It's just like a thing that I do forever. (laughs) Like the idea, it's it's not, I can't just like boil things down to the first step and I blow it up into like, oh, this is going to be this giant thing that I'm going to have to do. Right. So I've gotten better at, at simplifying things down to like, okay, let's not think about the entirety of a, of a problem. Like think about the first step you can take literally like, okay, today we're just going to go and like set foot in the gym for five minutes and look around and anyway so that was helpful for me but it's still um fucked that that was that was the thought process was i was like all right oh i'm going on a first date with someone i guess i'll blow this up into thinking if they can be the whether they're going to be the best partner for the rest of my life also on that topic absolutely fucked that exercise and physical activity actually works it's so rude It is so rude. It's just like, you know, I don't want to do it. And it's not like just doing it once makes you feel better all the time. It's like, no, doing it regularly makes you like stay afloat. Yeah. Like, how about you just learn how to not be garbage when I'm completely standing still or better yet lying down? (laughs) Why do you need me to jump around and lift things in order to feel good? I don't get it. Explain that, scientists. It's because of the brain juice. This has been Science with Matt. Also, love when my brain is like, remember that one person who made you feel bad that one time? Let's think about that for a while. Let's <laughs> never let it go. Remember that one negative comment that you got on something that you did five years ago? <laughs> How about we just pinball machine that? I've always thought about my anxieties as being just like gifts. 
or gifs, depending on how you say it. But instead of like fun little emotional reactions, it's just like my most traumatizing and shameful moments. (laughs) And they just go over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. We We need to move those to the garbage file. Mute that thread. And finally, very bold of my brain to assume that spending money on things will help. (laughs) and pretty fucked that it doesn't (laughs) frankly um i honestly uh, capitalist conspiracy absolutely i'll say it okay i'll say it call call me Karl marx call me call me a friedrich the other guy because i'll yeah i'll say it spending money on things is a lie that they tell us will make us feel better and then it doesn't and that is that is absolutely fucked um, I will say I did get uh, the, uh, my pair of Ugg slippers that you call Big Bird slippers, um, <laughs> and they do make me feel a lot better. So sometimes it works. And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Next, we got Dulce Sloan coming up right after this commercial break. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest who celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. My guest complainer today is comedian and actor Dulce Sloan. You've seen her as a correspondent on The Daily Show, and now you can hear her on her podcast, That Black Ass Show. We'll be talking about all of that and more. Welcome. Hello. Normally, we start by asking, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Um, I think it is a well-known fact that I am not the biggest fan of the city known as New York. Okay. And <laughs> we'll go right there. If you don't own property in this city, leave me alone. Like, I get it. It's people are like, it's the city that never sleeps. I've lived here for almost three years. This place goes to sleep. So <laughs> yeah. there's many times where I've been out. I'm just like, yeah, it's a regular city. People go to bed. Things close. Everything's not 24 hours. Like, so that is one fun myth. Um, dating here is trash. Oh, yeah. What else? The city's constantly trying to kill you. There's too much noise. You can't see the stars because of light pollution, because of air pollution. And everyone's just kind of like disconnected, which has been interesting because like since the quarantine started, like when you go to the store, I guess because we're so isolated uh-huh. that people are like starting to like talk to people. Like I've been in the store and people have said like hi to me. And I was like, what is this? Why are you... When did this start? Just random strangers just talking to you as a, a stranger or because they know you? Because I have a mask on and sunglasses. They don't know who I am. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And I got on a head wrap. I have on sunglasses and I have on a face mask. Some, some lady messaged me on um, Instagram one day and she was like, my mother, my daughter, my sister were aunt and my mother were all nurses. I was like, okay, this is a fun intro. And she was like, sometimes people don't realize that like, since the you can get sick, even if your mouth and your nose are covered, your eyes can be an entry point sometimes to get sick. Right. So that's why I wear these giant sunglasses. Like I look like I'm on the run. Get these giant sunglasses, <laughs> a face mask on, and and then I have on a head wrap, so you can't identify me. But I wear it so often, like right. the guys at the bodega around the corner know who I am when I'm suited up. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen like people starting to talk to each other. I guess because we're all just in quarantine. So it's just like human. I'm going to talk to this human just because it's another person. Yeah. I can tell if people have just gotten like, like the focus has not been on coronavirus long enough now that people have like forgotten about how horrible it is. I don't know. Right. Or like I'm very Southern. So one, if you look me in my face for an extended period of time and don't speak, I'm going to have an issue with that. Because um, it's like, can I help yeah. you? Do you need something? One man, he walked past me and said, sir, can I have my face back? What is, what, what? I don't understand this. So, yeah. So, and then now people are speaking, which I think is a nice change, but it's just like, 
oh, you just want some human interaction, which I get, but it's sad that it took a pandemic for people to acknowledge people. Right, right. But other than that, yeah. yeah. Trash city, burn it down. <laughs> yeah, the the myth of New York never sleeping really shocked me too. The hardest it hit me was when I realized Bed Bath & Beyond closes at 9 p.m. Right. Or in normal times. And I would like go out uh, for like after work drinks get drunk at happy hour and then want to go spend all of my money at Bed Bath & Beyond. It's amazing. They really lost out on a lot of business because of by closing. Well, now like the Dollar Tree near me closes at 6 p.m. And I was like, 6 p.m.? Yeah. What is this, 1955? <laughs> I had to... Uh, I had to postmate some uh, some ice cream because I, I went out. I was like, I'm going to suit up and go buy ice cream. And I walked to the, the one grocery store that had the ice cream I wanted. Mm-hmm. And they closed at 4 p.m. And I was like, "That's no, there's no way. Nobody wants ice cream that early. 4 p.m.? Yeah. Was it Christmas? Who closed at 4 p.m.? <laughs> They're closing to celebrate coronavirus, I guess. Wow. I hope you get the presents from Corona Santa that you wanted. And I paid $40 to have ice cream delivered to me instead. I didn't let it stop me. It was an inconvenience. Honestly, what a blessing to be able to have $40 for ice cream. Like, truly. <laughs> truly. <laughs> I didn't say I have $40. <laughs> you did that day? I said I spent. That's true. How? Wait, how long have you lived in New York? I have been suffering since um, September of 2017. And then I've lived in my apartment okay. since November of 2017. Okay. Okay. It's so like, yeah, long enough now to have internalized all of the shittiness. Yeah. Cause like one of my friends, me and her moved at the same time. Mm-hmm. And she was like, You still hate this place? That's whack. And I was like, Bitch, you have a girlfriend. I'm not doing this with you. Somebody <laughs> loves you when you come home at night. That's why it's still, you're right. You have somebody to go where and do stuff with. Like I go to shows, I go to work, I'm on the road. So. Right. You know, and then I was, you know, I've started the podcast. It's just your girl is out here working and doing stuff. So. Right. But it's like because my friends like you don't meet guys at shows. I'm like single men don't go to comedy shows. I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've done the research. Yeah. <laughs> You've taken the polls. Yeah. Well, I know that was the other thing you mentioned in why New York is shitty is that dating in New York is is shitty, which is accurate. Right. And then like thing because the thing is, it's like there's 8.5 million people that live here. If I don't have if I'm I'm, I'm, I'm on the road and I meet some dude, I'm like, because I always this would happen in L.A. too. I would always meet a guy the day before I was about to go on the road. Yeah, like, I could have been in L.A. for like two, three weeks straight. And I always need to do the day before I'm going to be gone for a week. And I was like, what is this? Jesus, come on. Um, <laughs> and then here I don't travel as much. But like, you know, guys, I've heard many times, you know, they get intimidated because I'm a comic. They get intimidated because I'm on TV. And I was like, I'm not going to change professions for you to feel better. Like that can't right. happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. Also, you must be a trash ass dude to start with. If this Your issue is my job. Is that... Cause like a lot of guys, and it's like if they find out, or when I'm an actor, like say we're on a date and we're having a good time, they'll be like, "Uh, are you acting right now?" Because I'm having a really good time. They think I'm putting on a, like a show or something. So I was like, "Are you <laughs> acting right now? Are you paying me right now? I don't. <laughs> what do you think I am? I'm not doing this for free. You ding dong. I'm not on the clock. Stop it. Yeah, where's the logic in that? I don't even understand. Because like so many, because I've been on dates with guys and they're like. They're worried you're going to say something about them on stage or they're worried you're not going to say something about them on stage. <laughs> yeah, everyone thinks they're fascinating enough to make it into a joke. And it's like you, you're a cameo in my life. You are not a main character. You're not recurring. You are a day <laughs> player as true. of this point. You have not gotten your contract was very you don't even eat the same crafty that I eat like you're not. You could be a featured extra. Like, I can't. You have not popped up to series regular yet. So I have no reason to talk about you. I consider it a personal um, success to limit the number of straight men that I deal with on an annual basis. Listen, I do stand up. So I am bombarded with straight men. But also, as a lady who likes the man parts, 
I got to deal with more straight men because I'm trying to see the man parts is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be out here trying to catch me a husband, trying to catch me a fetus. So I'm talking to them dumb dumb so I can celebrate Mother's Day. That's really what I'm here for. I also I so I, I was listening to the Blackout show or that Blackout show. Sorry. Thank you so much. On your podcast, you talk to other comedians and guests about black shows and movies. Yeah, I talked to black creatives about black movies. Right. So um, I talked to Thea Vidal about her TV show. Uh, Roy Wynn Jr. talks about UPN. X Mayo, who's a writer on The Daily Show, she talked about Living Single. Mm -hmm. Josh Johnson, who's an amazing comic and one of the writers on the show as well, he's going to talk about Family Matters. So, you know, I don't pick what we talk about. My guest picks what they talk about. Got it. Because I wanted to talk to Black creatives about the movies that impacted them and the movies that stuck out for them or movies and TV shows and like Baron Vaughn talked about Robert Townsend and, you know, we talked about a uh, Hollywood shuffle, five heartbeats and meteor man. And so, you know, how he came about coming up in Hollywood and producing these films. And, um, and then Derek Gaines talked about, sorry, New York. <laughs> but like Derek talked about Martin, he was talking about that show is the reason he wanted to become a stand-up comic and a performer, be an actor. Mm -hmm. So it was, I wanted to see how black media affected black performers. That's what I wanted to see. Because we have a certain understanding that other people don't have because we're in the industry. And we're still having the fight of getting more black talent involved in television so that the stories are real. I don't know why being a white dude who went to Harvard makes you qualified to tell black stories, but it's not true. Right, right. If you're a white dude that grew up in Atlanta, then I'll give you some leeway because you've met <laughs> black people before. Um, right. But it's very interesting to me where it's just like we've picked specific people who are supposed to be telling all of America's stories. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Like if I was asked yeah. to be a writer on Friends, I wouldn't know what to like. I don't know what you white people do. I don't know. I don't know. But what's so hard? Absolutely. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like coffee? I don't know what y'all, why y'all always, y'all ain't got nowhere else to be. Don't you need to go to work? Why y'all always in this coffee shop? Y'all ain't bought shit. But if you're, if it's anything with people of color, you have to have a person of color in the room. You have to, you have to, because I've worked on stuff with people and it's obviously that either you've only interacted with a black person if it came to commerce. There's no black people in your life. You don't go to their right. house. They don't come to your house. You don't talk to them. It's completely obvious by what you what, what I'm reading is that you don't interact with black people. You don't act with people of color. And that's why I wanted to talk to black people, like black creatives about black shows, mm -hmm. because we can see the kinks in the armor. Right. You can watch something and go, oh, somebody white definitely wrote this. <laughs> what is she yeah. talking about? What is going Somebody white definitely wrote this. And, you know, when I was talking to Ron Funches about going to an audition, you know, him and Baron Vaughn and several couple of us talking about going to auditions and being told to talk more black and all this other nonsense. Mm -hmm. And Ron Funches was like, if you want, you picked the wrong dude. This is my voice. <laughs> yeah. You picked the wrong yeah. one. Um. So, yeah, and then it's we talk about the shows and we talk about how the shows relate to our lives. Cause, and then there's also some things I haven't seen because my favorite part of the show is we do a, a segment called That Black Ass Confession where me and my guest confess to a black thing, a, a black TV show or movie we haven't seen or a black thing we cannot do. Uh -huh. Like my example is always I've never seen Baby Boy or Bebe's Kids and I'm not and I can't really play spades. Like X Mayo said, she can't make a good mac and cheese. Someone else said they couldn't double Dutch, which my mom's a beast at double double Dutch. Ashley Nicole Black said she uh, can't cornrow her own hair. I learned during the quarantine because I had that much time how to perfect my cornrowing skills. Uh -huh. It's a fun thing because people will talk about it and it's oh man because people try to take your black card because you haven't seen XX and X. It's like because people, people always get worked up when I say I haven't seen Baby Boy, and I was like, time is finite, <laughs> you know, time is right, finite. Right. Um, you won't be here forever, and I don't want to spend any time wasted. 
watching Tyrese try to act. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. If you want me to see Baby Boy, give me a supercut of just Taraji P. Henson scenes and sprinkling Ving Rhames. Other than that, I don't need to see no more of that movie. I'm good. I'm good. And it's also great because we've got to revisit stuff. Like, I remember seeing Poetic just as a kid and not really knowing what's going on. And then seeing it as an adult mm-hmm. going, <laughs> this is problematic. Yeah. Ah! That's a th- that's the thing about just like favorites in general mm-hmm. is like, you know, it always has that kind of like rosy. There's a rosy version of it in your head. And then you go back and watch it and you're like, <laughs> like a real Lucille Yikes. ball. Like, ah, Ricky. Ah, <laughs> looks like we all have some explaining to do. Oh, this movie sucked. Right. Yeah. So it's been really fun. And there's some stuff that I haven't seen. Marina Franklin talked about Cooley High. I'd never seen Cooley High. David Perdue talked about School Days. I'd never seen School Days. Do you try to watch them before before you talk? Do you like know ahead of time and then you watch them so that you can talk about yes. it? So when we talked to Baron Vaughn about Robert Townsend, I, you know, watched Hollywood Shuffle and Meteor Man and Five Heartbeats. It's been really it's been really great to revisit some of these movies and like in in some of these TV shows to really see like the significance and impact that they have. Like Alex English talked about the Jeffersons. And mm-hmm. I think he was in like that was the first time he'd ever seen like rich black people on it was on yeah. it was on the Jefferson, you know, like really affluent, like not just like we're doing fine, but like affluent black people. And it was definitely the first right. time he'd ever seen it on TV because we're both to the age where we had to watch it in reruns. But it's interesting to, because you don't always think that like TV can't be that important. It can't be that significant. But my mom, like my mom told me my brother came up to her one day and he was just like, well, we're, well, aren't we all criminals? And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, on TV, we're always the bad guys. And he was like seven or eight. And my brother had picked right. up on the fact that on TV, like there's certain networks that I had to stop watching because I'm just like, we can't be the first suspect every, every time on this show, <laughs> right. every time. You arrest us first right. and then, oh, the crime is really complex. And now you arrest a white dude as if we can't be out here doing white collar crime. Disrespectful. <laughs> Disrespectful. More black white collar criminals on television. That's what we need. I'm talking about your. F- I want to see a hedge fund taken down. I want to see insider <laughs> trading. Okay. I don't want to see a pyramid scheme. I want to see a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> I want to see millions stolen. Yes, that's what I want for America. More black, white collar crime. <laughs> Great. Great sound bites. That's going to be stupid. I mean, that's not helpful for us at all. Um, no, I get it. I get it. You get it because like with sports and stuff, it's like when a white athlete does something, it's an intellectual move. When a black athlete does something, it's a physical move but they're both playing mm. a, the same sport. Right. They're in the same field. They're in the same court. So it's it's little stuff like that. So it's like, yes, I think I believe in us enough. I believe in us enough to start a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> if, if there's a takeaway at all from this podcast is that you personally should start a Ponzi scheme. I will happily join. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of time left, but I, there are a few items that you sent over uh, to complain about that I want to give you the space to uh, <laughs> to bitch about okay. before before we go. One of which is Jeff Bezos becoming a trillionaire, which is ridiculous. Listen, trillion's not a real number. No one. <laughs> no, even billion is uh, like people don't understand the difference between million and billion is like insane. Significant. But my question is, where is all that money at? Right. <laughs> what bank? Where could we find it? That's not a Wells Fargo. Yeah. Like, is he honestly opening up his Wells Fargo app and seeing a trillion dollar? Like, what number is actually appearing in these bank accounts? Where is this money? How many accounts do you have to have? Because the FDIC only insures up to $100,000. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, what happens then? We've all seen what that. What happens sign? if we do a run on the bank? How many banks do you have your money in? I, you got it. Every single one. All, <laughs> Even if you. So <laughs> Where do you keep a trillion fucking dollars? Like, what has got a half? What, 500 million is probably under the bed? Okay, cool. Right, right. But it's like, where do you put. Where does that money live? That's all I want to know. Where does that money live? Yeah, no, full agree. I don't understand what, like, if I if I had that much money, like, you know how much I'd be in front of the cameras saying how much I was giving away every single day? Especially now. I think I'd just be in front of the cameras being, your boy got a trillion dollars. Get into it. <laughs> Popping bottles for the next 20 years. Like, just be ignorant. Because you can't be classy right, with right. that much money. You can't be. Anyway, we probably could bitch about him. <laughs> okay, what did I say next? What did I say next? You said, um, this one does hurt, but oatmeal cookies are trash. They're made from cardboard. They're disgusting. <laughs> You're having the wrong oatmeal. Have you never had a, like, a really good oatmeal cookie? This is the thing. They're still made out of oatmeal. <laughs> True. Like, I, won't, I won't argue with that. Because oat milk is a scam. Yeah, oat milk, I don't. I've had it. It's my favorite of the not real milks, but it's still it's still weird. It's weird. And my homeboy was telling me that sometimes it gets like a weird texture. Like it'll, Yeah, it's chunky. It's It shouldn't be. Just strain it. I've heard that about oat milk. I'm like, <laughs> literally, just run this through a sieve before you put this in the box. Why are you messing with people? I also don't like it because it's uh, it's cooked raisins. I like raisins. Fun fact, raisins are the only food that Garfield will not eat. <laughs> okay. I'm very silly. I'm very silly. But yeah, oatmeal cookies, it's like, I can say I've had really good ones and I've had really bad ones. I can't always say for the most part, I've never had like a really dry oatmeal cookie because I've had very dry chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, oatmeal cookies aren't that dry. But at the same time... It's like, because the thing is, I like granola. I'll pour it in. I, I, my favorite thing is to put it in my yogurt. But yeah, the texture, because it's like these little discs in your mouth. And it's just brown. <laughs> what else did I say? What else? I forgot. One was being lied to about Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Brussels sprouts are delicious. That is true. Yeah. They're just little cabbages. There was a concerted propaganda campaign against Brussels sprouts. In all cartoons, all shows. Kid shows in the 90s and like commercials, eat your Brussels sprouts. And as a kid, I was like, what the fuck is a Brussels? I never saw them in a store. I never knew what they were. And I guess people were just like boiling them. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, even when you cook, like Brussels sprouts smell like literal asshole when you're cooking them. Like when you roast Brussels sprouts. What kind of Brussels even like sprouts good... are you buying? Mine never <laughs> smell like that. I can't tell you. They taste great, but I'm they're not. They smell like ass. I don't know. I guess they just smell like cabbage to me. The smell of cabbage has never bothered me because I love cabbage. But I also cook mine with pancetta and onions. Okay. Do a little yeah. pancetta and onions. Put that in the pan. And then to finish it off, I take like a, like a tablespoon of honey and uh, mix it with like two tablespoons of water and finish it off with that in the pan and put a lid on it. Mwah. Yeah. <laughs> now I know I'll try it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I do fresh garlic too. Little pop, 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 pop. And I do red pepper flakes. Time to stand around, put a lid on, let it get a little soft, you know, little cook up a little bit. Then the honey glaze, toss that around a bit, let it chill. It's amazing. It also yeah, cooks super chef's quick. Kiss. Yeah, that is the one thing about roasting vegetables is it's like, I'm not going to wait a fucking hour for these things to cook. Everything, the oven takes too long. Unless I'm making cookies or chicken, the oven is a baking, like it's like, I've never roasted vegetables. I just cook them in a pan. It cooks in a pan so much, like I'm trying to eat today. Same, same. But on that note, where can people uh, find you and your work? Um, I'm all over the interwebs um, at Dulce Sloan, uh, D-U-L-C-E-S-L-O-A-N. And uh -huh. that's on Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitter. Right, all the yes. places. And then you can find that Black Ass Show on uh, iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else the podcasts are put out amazing well thank you so much thank you for having me see you later bye
All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier. And starting this week, we're going to fold our do better white people segment right into our chasers. We're just going to fold it in. We're just going to fold it in, David. You fold it in. So do better white people will live on in this segment. Um, we'll switch off picking an issue or resource or recommendation or organization, piece of pop culture, anything that's helping us unlearn and learn how to be more actively anti-racist. Yeah. So Matt, what are you highlighting this week? Okay, this week I'm highlighting a book I read. Uh, I read a few books this week. I actually read so much this week. Okay. I don't know. It was like a, a manic episode. <laughs> Um, but the, the book I want to recommend is called What the Eyes Don't See by Dr. Mona Hanna Atisha. She goes by Mona. It's about the Flint water crisis, which now it happened about six years ago, where basically the people of Flint, Michigan were poisoned um, with lead in the water. And a lot of the like white politicians who were in charge just kept ignoring the uh, mostly black citizens who were complaining that their water was making them sick literally like people's hair was falling out people were getting rashes like it was not good what i liked a lot about this book and the woman who wrote it is that i feel like in moments like this when there's like so much is happening at once it's like we're in the middle of a pandemic but also people are reckoning with like systemic racism and police brutality and like all of this stuff is happening at once it's very easy to feel overwhelmed and like well what can you do and I feel like Flint is a perfect case study of like, this is, this was a place where everything was working against the people here. It was just like years of racism, years of like shaping the city of Flint. Like the reason that so much of this happened there was because of the way the city was built and where like the mostly black citizens were were like relegated and where they had to live it's very easy to see problems like that and think like this this is like huge and historical and it's like how where do you even start like how do you not just like crawl up into a ball and be like i don't know what to do about this so what I liked about this book a lot is written by this pediatrician and she like talks about how she her and a couple of other people who like fought this crisis and like actually got shit done and got people to pay attention mostly because she was a pediatrician and was like hey do you see all of these literal babies that are having formula water mixed with like lead you maybe we should be fucking doing something about this Anyway, so if you feel like you are easily overwhelmed by like major problems, I feel like this is a, a great book to be like change is doable and like things do happen and it takes a lot of work, but it's not impossible. Another resource on top of that book for what happened in Flint, but then also sheds light on the other cities that are facing water crises uh, with lead is Little Miss Flint. Do you follow her? Uh, no, but I know. I know Will Miss Flint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I follow her on Instagram and she's great. She's just this amazing 13 year old who uh, has been fighting for clean water in Flint and then around the country for years. So you can also follow her for more. Yeah. Okay, continuing on with our chasers, let's talk about the TV we're watching this week. Barry, what you been watching? I watched Eric Andre's Netflix special, Legalize Everything. Nice. Yeah, I have been a very big Eric Andre fan since college. Um, I He was one of the only celebrities who I've seen in public, and I... I like basically hyperventilated and like my whole face went red. Um, I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe he's right there. I uh, really love him. Um, he's wild and insane. And like, if you don't know his comedy, I would definitely recommend that you watch the Eric Andre show first before you watch this special because like his standup is just fucking nuts <laughs> like he is absurd and wild gets naked a lot um but also amidst like a bunch of really ridiculous drug jokes uh it is like these huge truth bombs about our society and it's incredibly smart and 
and interesting. So it would make me like scream during some parts because I'm of like out of surprise and then scream laugh in the most cathartic, glorious way. I don't want to like say that I loved every single second of it because there were definitely parts that I found kind of uncomfortable and I feel like I need to unpack more. But he had these two sections of the special specifically that I wanted to highlight. And one is about the TV show Cops and one is about Plymouth Rock and the founding philosophy of the pilgrims who started this country's systems. And it's so good. It's just, I, I yeah, the, those parts especially and like the whole thing, it was just fun to really laugh hard right now. Um, so like I said, if you're not aware of who Eric Andre is or you've only seen him in like Two Broke Girls or Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, like his standup is not like that. And I would definitely recommend watching his show, The Eric Andre Show on Adult Swim before watching this. But if you already are a fan, then definitely check it out because it is a wild ride. Amazing. What about you? What did you watch this week? I mean, I'm not even going to lie. I literally have just been rewatching The Office. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't stop. I'll finish. I'll get to the end and then I'll just immediately restart. I can watch an entire <laughs> season in a day. Um, yeah, it's probably... Uh, <laughs> It's probably not great. I have also been reading a lot more this week, so I like haven't been watching a whole lot. Well, good. And I've been trying to watch more like movies. Mm-hmm. I've been working my way through, you know how the like American Film Institute or whatever has like their 100 best. AFI 100. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they also have the AFI like 100 funniest movies. Oh, so I've been watching a lot of those, most of which do not age well at all. <laughs> like all of the top movies that I've been watching were, I mean, the very top one is Some Like It Hot, which is like from the 1940s with <laughs> yeah. Marilyn Monroe. And the entire plot is like two guys go undercover be, uh, or like running from the mob. So they dress as women to go undercover. So the entire plot is just jokes about like, guys dressed as girls yeah <laughs> it's like, oh god and like tootsie a fish called wanda i watched this week which i uh, it's is better in terms of if, a, aging well <laughs> anyway what is your non-tv chaser my non-TV chaser is that Alex and I have been getting into making cocktails. We have like pretty <laughs> okay. much a whole bar now. Um, and I really love it. I'm not a huge drinker. And so I never really got into cocktails. I don't know, because I just it was like a thing that I would go to a bar and get but not really make on my own, mostly because I didn't understand how it worked. But now I do. And now I love it. And you can just make like one drink and I've been like making up some of my own and it's been really fun so yeah like like shaking the shaker and making the sound and then straining it into a glass and it looks so pretty and it tastes really nice and uh it's been fun love that how about you what's your non-tv chaser my non-tv chaser this is a weird one I'll admit it but um one of the other books I'd read this week is um the diary of anne frank yeah that's okay. that's my chaser this week um <laughs> listen okay i for, i don't think i'd ever read it from start to finish before um and i think what brought me to it now was thinking about like this is gonna sound darker than it is but like I I sometimes struggle with like in moments when you feel very uh, when like the events of the world feel very overwhelming like how do you find like hope and enjoy in those moments and so that's what I was sort of reading it and like keeping in mind the whole time was like uh, yeah how does like how does someone who's literally living through like the worst event imaginable how do you not let that become overwhelming right um and still still manage to like find moments of of joy and happiness and um and hope yeah really glad i talked about cocktails before you talked about anne frank <laughs> <laughs> yeah my other option by the way for a chaser was that i bought these very uh, um short shorts that i've been wearing outdoors which i've never really had before so um you know two sides of the same coin really <laughs> <laughs> oh, good 
that is it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Belisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And you can leave us a voicemail on our rant hotline. It'd be featured on the show at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. (gasps) Uh, Bye-bye. Bam bam ba da 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 Start spreading the nudes. Bam ba da ba da ba da ba Ha New York, New York! Wow. I miss karaoke so bad. If you can... Get it here, you can. I'm gonna get hang it. up on you. <laughs> Anywhere. What? I said I'm gonna hang up on you. <laughs> All right.